Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and I'm joined as always by my esteemed co-host and colleague, my friend, and the man who played Klingon 3 in the original Star Trek movie, Ken Hellenius. <laughs> Ken, how you doing? I am well, and I don't even speak Klingon, so I, you know, thank God it was a silent part. Is all yeah, I you, you, you were just there, just for show, you just know, for but. show. They gave me that that sweet forehead, and other than that, I, uh, I, I was just just arm candy, or, or you know, visual candy for you, exactly. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, I've seen I've seen things like translations of sh- uh, Shakespeare into Klingon. And uh, things like this. And I'm like, wow, you people are nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Jimmy Aiken actually is, is one of those Star Trek nerds that yeah. trans- can reclaim or something like oh that. Oh, my but. gosh. My, I mean, I guess I shouldn't really throw stones because I'm, I'm a big fan of Tolkien. And, you know, there is I mean, Tolkien was a philologist. He created a language before he even wrote The Hobbit and, and The Lord of the Rings. And those stories came out of him wanting then to apply the language that he had created. So I guess, you know, I mean, there are these uh, these ideas of creation and um, uh, well, actually what Tolkien called sub creation, because he pointed out, he's like, I'm not a creator because I'm already working with created things. Mm. Uh, you know, which, yeah, which is, if you remember in our conversation about, uh, about Pope John Paul II's letter to artists, he says, you know, we're not creators as artists. We are sub creators at best because we're beginning, we're not creating ex nihilo. And uh, Tolkien right, was very exactly. conscious of that in his work too. So sorry, Gene Roddenberry and your, and your nerd <laughs> languages. That's ground that's been well trod already. So, uh, and you're well though. I mean, yeah, again, we're yeah. In, we're you know, busy time of year for me. You know, just uh, one mission after the next, after the next. Uh, you know, through uh, through Lent, you know, busy time of year, but but good, very rewarding. It's good to see that people are coming out for missions. You know, that shows that they're longing, they're, you know, for for spiritual growth, and that Lent is a time of year to the way I like to describe it at parish missions. You know, uh, missions are like a stop sign along the road of life. Okay. You take a pause for a few days. You look left and you look right. Say, hey, where did I come from and where am I going? Yeah. You yeah. know, so take a pause for three days. Reflect on things that are the real things of like the substance of life. Things that we can draw from and incorporate into our lives to draw us into deeper intimacy with Christ. And so it's nice to see that people respond by coming out for a few nights and, and going deeper in their faith. That's marvelous. It's uh, I know the parish missions that I've gone to have been, yeah, like you say, they're they're mini retreats really for people that can't maybe take full time away from their from their daily life, you know, from the family and and commitments and things like that. But opportunities to pray outside of what's normal, right? Outside of our our regular routine. And so, uh, what a great opportunity and what a, what a neat chance for you and and what a responsibility I would say as well for you, right? I mean, you've got to make sure that it's worth their time. Yep, exactly. So I developed those parish missions long before, uh, you know, even before sure. Lent starts in a yeah. lot of cases and and pray through them to make sure it's it's uh that I'm saying what God wants me to say. 
Yeah, in, tell in me a bit about so. your writing process. Or, you know, your your kind of planning process, because I think that's something that people would be very interesting. I mean, do you write one talk and then deliver it all the time, or or do you customize it for a parish, or how does no, that I work? No, I definitely definitely customize it. So it's never the same talk twice. You know, um, you know. So I said, well, what what's going on in the parish there? What what kinds of things or initiatives that are you doing in the parish? What do you do for evangelization? What do you do? You know, and so kind of get a feel. You know, uh, what's the demographics of your parish? You know, yeah. and really tailor the talk so that that parish, you know, feels like I'm actually talking to them, mm-hmm. to their lives, their situations, their circumstances. You know, because I could give that same talk in another parish, but it's a very different because you know I'm, I'm hitting them a different way because right. they have different needs or they have different demographic or you know they, they have a different emphasis for Lent. So it makes it fun, as it's because I'm not always like just regurgitating the same old stuff. It's right. and, and plus I'm constantly reading, constantly praying, getting deeper insights. You know, I, I'm throwing out some examples I use of putting new ones in, and sometimes changing the order of things. And so yeah, it makes it makes it interesting. Sure. Are you are you dropping those uh, references to Sanford and Son and updating them with, uh, with maybe more current television shows these days? Getting to that point, actually, because uh, a lot of younger people, huh? Like when you say a reference, like, oh, yeah, that you don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like going overseas. You know, I have to adapt oh, sure. examples because they won't understand sometimes the American TV reference or something like that. So it's almost have to do the same thing now when I'm talking to, to teenagers, you know, high schools yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I'm glad it's uh, your job and not mine. I just have to keep <laughs> keep current on what the college kids are doing these days, you know. Ah, oh, there you go. So, that's awesome. awesome. Well, you know, Deacon, it is the Lenten season, so we have, uh, for a temporary time, buried the A word. Uh, but, uh, you know, in this Lenten season, it is a, a season of conversion and repentance and preparation. And uh, so we thought that it would be uh, a good time to maybe take a deep dive for the next few weeks uh, throughout the rest of the Lenten season to read some of the church's magisterial documents, some of the, some of the teaching, the rich teaching of the church on what does reconciliation and penance even mean. And uh, so we've done this many times in past here on the show where we've taken, you know, a, a nice long leisurely read of a document and reflected on it. And uh, for example, very early on in uh, Living Stones, for those of you who've been with us since almost the beginning, uh, in episodes 37 to 41, we discussed um, John Paul II's, St. John Paul II's uh, second encyclical, which was called Rich in Mercy, Dives in Misericordia. And we did that on the occasion of the Year of Mercy that Pope Francis had had uh, called. And so um, we thought, you know what? Here in this Lenten season, are there other great teachings on uh, reconciliation and penance? And lo and behold, that is the title of yet another one of Pope John Paul II's uh, great teaching documents. And this was a, a post-synodal apostolic exhortation. So the bishops of the world met to talk about a specific topic in uh, the year 1983-84, and they actually discussed um the idea of penance. What is the relationship of reconciliation and penance to the missionary life of the church? So John Paul II took the bishop's recommendations and their deliberations, and he issued this this uh, exhortation to the church called Reconciliation and Penance uh, in December of 1984. We thought, gosh, here we have, you know, four or five weeks left in Lent. 
Why don't we take some time to read this and see some of the insights that uh, the Holy Father brought to um, brought brought to our attention? Now, uh, what is this? Twenty five years ago? Uh, no, thirty five years ago. Oh yeah, my gosh! I can't it's, believe that. I can't believe right. Thirty five years ago. So at the end of nineteen eighty four, uh, and that's what we'll be discussing for the next few weeks. Yeah, and, and the uh, the uh, exhortation is broken into uh, five parts. Uh, there's an introduction. And then there's three chapters and then a conclusion. Each of the chapters is the, uh, the, the church carries out the mission of reconciliation, uh, the mystery of sin and the mystery of religion and pa- the pastoral ministry of the church. Uh, and then a conclusion. And the central theme is basically a restatement of Jesus's message, uh, basic message, repent and believe in the gospel. Yeah, that's really what it's calling us back. It's right? a long, you know, John Paul too, you know, it was, it was wrote very lengthy. But I, again, this is great because he's one of the the writing popes. Um, you know, he has two doctoral degrees, right? One of philosophy and theology that really explores deeply this one life from Jesus, uh, repent, and believe in the gospel, and and really reflect deeply on what that means in our lives and how we can incorporate that into every aspect of our lives. And, you know, he talks about why does the church even concern with reconciliation? Um, you know, he talked about the human world is divided. Um, and in the human heart, there's a longing and a yearning for reconciliation. And because uh, we're so connected with the church, which is a gift from God, that's what he left us. The Holy Spirit left us a church. Uh, so whatever concerns humanity also concerns the church. Right, you know, right. So. Yeah, he, he uses that phrase. He says, you know, the church is in but not of the world, you know, yes. which is which is an accurate description, right? We are pilgrim people on our journey, and, and we are people in the world, but the church itself was divinely instituted, you know, and so— um, so the church, the concerns of the, the world are the concerns of the church because this is where the church does its ministry. And so to preach reconciliation and penance is to call the world to conversion so that everyone in the world can be with us as pilgrims on our way to the Father, to the house of the Father. And uh, so, yeah, you know, you're, you're right. The, the central theme is repent and believe in the gospel. Um, but the, he spends this document explaining, well, what does that mean? And um, so in this introduction, he really highlights the fact that, I mean, something that we know certainly from our everyday existence, that th- this is a world full of painful divisions at every level. Um, we talk about, you know, the uh, even to this day, I mean, just to listen to what he describes he could be writing, he could be reading the, the newspaper headlines of today. He says, there are many elements that cause division, such as growing disproportion between groups, social classes and countries, uh, ideological rivalries, um, eco- uh, opposition between economic interests and political polarization, um, tribu- tribal differences, discrimination for social and religious reasons. I mean, that list right there alone, again, that's the front page of the New York Times every day, Right. And so even in 1984, he's writing about things that remain relevant. Uh, and that's why for us, it, it's a good idea to read and, and think about what has the church been saying about these for years, for decades, if not centuries already. Exactly right. And he talks about what's the origin of the division within man and within culture. And of course, it's sin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the problem for everything is sin. Um, and, and so the church, in order to overcome these divisions, has to help 
humanity overcome sin. And in order to overcome sin, we need penance. We need reconciliation. Um, so then it goes, how do we get there? You know, because, I mean, because the human, you know, sometimes when you hold resentment in your heart, it feels good. You know what I mean? In, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a distorted way. Right. Because, you know, someone did something to you. And, and um, I'll show them I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I'm not going to, you know, so you kind of cut yourself off from them. And we do the same thing with God. Mm-hmm. You know, something may happen in our life and we don't understand how God is working. We don't understand God's will or God's plan. Uh, it's just painful. And he's like, well, I, I'm going to show God. I, I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop going to church. And, <laughs> and, and, and in a sense, we try to punish God, right. you know, instead right. of trying to understand what God's will is and, and, and sin has a way of doing that, when, especially when sin is not just sin that we commit, when sin is done to us. So it's a double effect, if you will, of sin. The sin that hurts someone by committing the sin and then the effect of that sin on the person you know, that may cause them to cut themselves off from God's life or at least to push God out of their life, out of the picture. Yeah. You know, so this is why we need the church. You know, church is that, that bosom of mercy. You know, the bosom of Abraham is in one of the parables that Jesus spoke of, you know, and, and, and so the church is the mediator of that reconciliation and mercy for the world. It's a sign of hope too, right? Because oh yeah, we can, you know, once we start down that road of sin, especially, you know, once, once we commit a mortal sin, we think, well, I'm cut off now. I might as well just continue. You know, God is, God is dead to me. I'm going to you know, survive on my own and just live like everyone else. Um, once you do that and you start going down that road, who is it? Uh, G.K. Chesterton uses the phrase, uh, a twitch upon the thread. You know, it's this idea, just the little signs that the, the church exists. You know, you're driving past. I, I can be in mortal sin. I can I could be, you know, away from the church, away from the sacraments and driving down a street and see a church and just feel a tiny little pang of sorrow that I, I no longer darken the door of that church. And it's that little pang that continues to grow. And it's that sign. It's that invitation. It, it is, as Chesterton says, the twitch upon the thread that pulls and brings me back in, you know. Um, and that's what the church does. The church invites and offers mercy, as you said, the, the very bosom of, of Abraham, the extension of mercy and the, the promise of of redemption, of restoration, of reconciliation. So that's what, uh, why the church does this. And that's the church's mission, to preach the gospel. And how does the church do that? Uh, St. John Paul II goes on to explain. Well, he says, first, there's a change of heart under the influence of the word of God. That's awesome. How, How important scripture is in the life of the church. He said there's an inner attitude change that comes about in response to the word of God. Right. See, so the word of God convicts. The word of God pulls that, like the thread, it pulls that conscience. It, it, it kind of reawakens God's life. It reawakens something, with it stirs within your soul. You know, hearing the penetrating truth of Jesus Christ in the gospel. When the word is proclaimed, it reaches the heart. Um, and so... That initial change, the next stage is a change of life, mm-hmm. uh, um, a conversion of manners, as St. Benedict puts it, a change in the individual actions, our way of thinking and our way of acting. And um, that's hard because, yeah. 
once you realize, okay, I finally objectively understand that this, what I'm doing now is wrong. Now, how do I change my life so that my life matches what I now know intellectually to be true? Right. That's really hard. It is hard. Uh, You know, to make that leap. And it means changing maybe relationships that you've invested a lot in, you know, and those could be physical relationships with people. Those can be, you know, I've spent my life collecting, you know, whatever it may be. Somebody could take great pride in collecting, you know, books or something like that. And you realize, you know what, all of these resources that I've spent on these, I, I could have instead been been sharing with the poor, whatever it may be, right? John Paul says that um, it's this idea, as you say, it means changing one's life in harmony with the change of heart that we've experienced. Uh, And in this sense, doing penance is completed by bringing forth fruits worthy of penance. And he says, in a word, this is asceticism. The idea that um, the concrete daily efforts of each person supported by God um, to, to basically um, turn away from our way of sin and to turn towards Christ. Um, put off the old man, put on the new. This is language, of course, that we hear from from St. Paul. It's also language that we hear in the in baptism, right? We've put on Christ. Um, penance is, as he says, therefore a conversion that passes from the heart to deeds and then to the Christian's whole life. So exactly. we respond in generous in generous actions, um, and they become then our new life. So we, it is painful to begin to think, I'm going to be giving up all this stuff that I've invested so much in. But the new life that you're building and beginning is, is even more rewarding. As St. Paul says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has ready for those who love him. Yes, exactly. And, you know, one thing that he explores in that regard is what what effect does sin have? But not just on us. He talks about, of course, sin separates us from God. It separates us from ourselves. Mm -hmm. This interior warfare with ourselves between the human will and God's will. You know, where, where I make myself God and I determine what's good for my life apart from God. It also separates us from our neighbors, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with the rest of creation, the created order. Um, and, and so what the church does in dealing with the problem is in restoring reconciliation with God and and, and with ourselves in, the, in that beautiful sacrament of reconciliation, we then can begin to restore relationships with others and eventually um, with with all of society, with the rest of creation as well. So it changes our mindset and our heart set, if you will, right. on how we treat and respect others and all of the created order and reality as well. Yeah, this is um, the idea, too, that, you know, humankind, we sit atop the, the great chain of being uh, of things, you know, I mean, above us, of course, are the angels and then, and then God proper. It, but... In our restoring our relationships, our proper relationships, first with God, that that vertical relationship, and this is a theme he will return to yes. later in the in the document. The vertical relationship is the most important, right? Us and God. That then radiates out horizontally. And so to the relationships that we have with one another and the relationship that we have with all creation. And again, we sit atop, you know, in the story of Genesis, the, the creation story. Humankind is the last 
thing to be created and is the pinnacle of creation. And then we are put in charge in, in Genesis. We are put in charge, given dominion over all creation and sent to be stewards of the garden and stewards of creation. When we restore our proper relationship with God, the vertical, that has its effect that actually trickles down. This is this is actually trickle-down economics at its finest, except it's trickle-down salvation in a way. All of creation begins to be restored, and from this flows the idea that we see even all the way in, in Pope Francis's document, Laudato Si. By restoring our, our right relationship with God, we begin to restore the right relationship with creation and with, and that, you know, we talk about climate change or whatever it may be. To restore all good things to uh, to proper order, we need to first be right with God. No, exactly. And, and he takes this theme of the vertical and horizontal dimension and applies it to the scriptures. Because remember, we started off by talking about the power of the word of God. Right. And so he talks about the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. So th- the son and the rupture of his relationship with his father is a rupture of that vertical dimension between right. like us and our heavenly father with God. Right. But he, there's also a rupture with the elder brother that needs to be reconciled. And that hostility that the elder brother had toward his younger brother um, is that horizontal dimension. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, because the brother doesn't understand the power of the father's merciful love. How, you, wait, he, your son did this to you and you're receiving him back? Right. You know, and what about me? I've been here. I've been here the whole time. What about me? Yeah. That's such, such a human reaction. Again, remember, the brother didn't do anything wrong. He was affected by the sin. The older brother. The older brother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The older brother. Yeah. That, that, that's what that's we start off talking about. Yep. That sin yep. affects not just myself. Because, uh, for example, someone that's looking at pornography, let's say, they say, well, that's harmless. It just ruptures, you know, my relationship with, it's just only about me. Well, no, it destroys that interior life of God. It Mm -hmm. literally kills God's life in you. And therefore now you see the person standing in front of you, not as God's image and likeness, but as an object for pleasure and gratification. And you better believe, and look how it's changed society. Look at human trafficking. Right. Right. It's all connected. So, so this is how we can apply the beautiful teachings of St. John Paul too, you know, 30, what, 36 years later right? Um, into our time today. And it's still meaningful and relevant as it was back then. Yeah, this is crazy how applicable a, a document 35, 36 years old is to, to our modern situation, right? Um, and I really like that you, you know, you use this idea of, of, um, uh, well, pornography is a great example because not only does it break the relationship that I have with God in in sin because I've now turned, I mean, I've, I, as a married man, that is an abuse of you know against the the sixth commandment, right? I mean, I'm committing adultery in a way, um, yep. even if it is as as Jimmy Carter said, even if it is merely lusting after someone in my heart, that's actually where where the real sin lies. Um, but it's also um, as you say, it leads to the very real sin of human trafficking. It leads to the very real sin of of um, objectification of uh, the other. It also um, 
turns my heart to make me less loving towards my wife because I begin to think, well, my expectations are now set in a different way about human sexuality, right? And if my wife doesn't match this image that I have planted in my brain by going back to pornography all the time, then all of a sudden I am less uh, less affectionate, less charitable towards my wife because she doesn't fulfill those expectations which I have set through the abuse of pornography. So, so many sins cascade from uh, saying yes to one sin. And yet, all of those relationships can begin to be restored through the very real act of conversion of heart and turning back to God, and especially hearing those words of absolution, the penance that we are that we are offered, the reconciliation and penance that we are offered in the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of penance, whatever you want to call it, but confession, um, is the beginning of the restoration of those relationships. That's right, and and God's initiative in restoring us to reconciling relationship with Him is sending Jesus into the world. Yeah, and so the church responds to God's invitation by accepting and believing in Jesus and also helping others to accept and believe in Jesus. This is why evangelization is so important. Yeah. Um, and, and St. John Paul II emphasizes that the church's ministry is really carrying out the ministry of Christ to reconcile. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, healing. so we're going to have to wrap up our conversation tonight, but we are going to be discussing this document over the next few weeks. We'll have a link on our Facebook page. You can always find it at Living Stones Media um, on Facebook. But um, also, we want to take this chance to encourage you, in this Lenten season, reconciliation is is offered at every parish. And I know some dioceses here in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, we have a, there's a whole day called The Light is On for You when the confessional is available all night long through in every parish of the diocese. Uh, many dioceses do this uh, around, the, uh, around the nation and around the world. You know, seek the uh, reconciliation, the sacrament of penance. Seek it and and wholeheartedly embrace it because God is offering and inviting you to be restored to wholeness with himself and, and with your brothers and sisters in Christ and with all creation. So please seek out the, the sacrament of confession. And uh, we'll be chatting about this for the next few weeks as well. And, and we just want to encourage you to uh, take advantage of the great mercy and riches that God offers. Yes, amen. So how can people stay in touch with us till next time? Well, as I said, find us on Facebook at Living Stones Media. Just type that into your Facebook search bar. You can download all the previous episodes of the show, including, as I mentioned before, our conversation about uh, John Paul II's Dives and Misericordia, which was our episodes 37 to 41. You can find those on the website at materdeiradio.com. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Catholic Stones. But Deacon, until we gather again next week, might we have a blessing? Sure, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.